who will you trust with your sexuality? Today is September 22nd, and let's find out together what is happening behind the scenes when it comes to sex and sexuality. This week we're focusing on building a biblical view of sexuality based on the five building blocks that Dr. Julie Slattery discusses in her book, Rethinking Sexuality. On Monday we talked about that first building block, that importance of submitting to God's authority in all areas of our lives and building a solid foundation on His truth, including our beliefs about sex and sexuality. And yesterday we learned that the gospel the good news that God loves us passionately, that Jesus came to save us from our sin through his death, and that he invites us into a covenant relationship with him, that that spiritual reality is written into our sexuality. But our third building block is this. Someone wants to destroy holy sexuality. Now, Dr. Slattery writes, human sexuality is a holy masterpiece infused with spiritual significance a masterpiece that is constantly under attack in the spiritual realms. What God created as a sacred expression of covenant love has been cheapened, warped, abused, and twisted. Now, we don't have to look very far to see the evidence of this war on holy sexuality. Sexual abuse and rape, sex trafficking and pornography, sexually transmitted diseases, unwanted pregnancies and abortions, sexual addictions, all these things are a part of our reality because the enemy is having his way, not just in our culture, but also in our lives, the choices that we and others make. A couple weeks ago, Zach opened his teaching saying that Satan is our enemy and seeks to destroy us in our relationship with God. And one of his best tactics is to speak and have truths. Taking what God declared good and twisting that truth to make it seem like God is untrustworthy and that he's holding out on us that what he has, that what Satan has to offer is better. That Satan says that we can decide for ourselves what's good and what's right for us. And based on what we see in our world, sexuality is under greater attack than almost any other area in our lives. So what is Satan's strategy? How does he wage war against us in the area of sex and sexuality? And I think we can look to the Old Testament and look at an example in the life of Daniel um, to kind of see how Satan attacks us um, and tries to uh, defile God's holy sexuality. So um, in verse 1, in chapter 1, uh, it tells us that King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and he besieged it. And so we're going to pick up uh, that story in verse 3 to verse 7. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, excuse my um, pronunciation of these names by the way, chief of his court order court officials to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility, young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and the literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that, they were to enter the king's service. Among those who were chosen were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. 
the chief official gave them new names to Daniel, the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. So here we see that uh, the king targeted three areas in which to conform these young Jewish men to Babylonian culture, which also happens to be three key ways that Satan wages the spiritual battle around our sexuality. So first, Satan attacks our worldview. So in verse 5, we see that Daniel and his friends were trained in the language and literature of Babylon. The king was targeting their thinking. Why? Because what we think matters. What we think, how we view the world around us impacts what we believe and how we behave. Think of the battles that we see in our culture over language. How to address people. What's politically correct. How you can get canceled for saying the wrong thing. Think of how people use logic and reason to make decisions that impact their sexual choices. Like living in together is better financially than living apart. Or we need to see if we're sexually compatible. Or as long as two people consent to sex, then they aren't harming anyone. Paul says in Romans 12, 1 through 2, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So both Satan and Paul understand the importance of what we think and how it impacts our bodies and our spirits. So who will you trust? Who will you choose to listen to to determine what is good and pleasing and perfect, especially as it comes to your sexuality? The second way Satan attacks us is through our appetites. King Nebuchadnezzar knew how to win the affection of teenage boys through food. And I can also verify that fact that uh, as someone who always provides food at our high school gatherings, teenagers love food. Um, really, a lot of people <laughs> love food. You know, the king let the, these boys eat from his very own table. Uh, which would have been some pretty amazing food. I mean, think Bonefish, think Cheesecake Factory or your favorite restaurant. Like that is good, rich food and drink. But this kind of food wasn't permitted for the Israelites because it wasn't what was good for them. And I think we uh, know that eating that food all the time is not good for us too. Um, but we are constantly bombarded with messages from our culture that tell us to feed our sexual appetites, that sexuality can be separated from any kind of spiritual or relational commitment that we might make, that sex is morally neutral, that personal choice means that no one else can say that it's wrong or unhealthy. The message is do whatever feels good or do what feels right for you. And Satan also uses messages that cause us to doubt God's goodness. He wants us to believe that God isn't trustworthy, that he doesn't really care about what's best for you, that he's a cosmic killjoy that's out to destroy your fun and take away your freedom. You know, isn't that what Adam and Eve believed, that God was holding out on them, that he was keeping them from realizing their full potential? Those were the twisted lies that Satan gave. So whose judgment are you going to trust? Are you going to... Um, Whose way are you going to follow? You know, are you going to follow your way where, you know, 
We're limited human beings. Or are we going to follow God's way, who happens to be the creator of the universe and who loves you and who gives you commands for your good and for your freedom, not against it? The third way Satan attacks us is through our identity. Daniel and his friends were given Babylonian names. The king was trying to wipe out their identity as Jewish, to have them identify as Babylonians through the names that they would be called every day. You know, doesn't Satan do this to God's people, trying to wipe out or at least re have us replace our identity as God's people with something else about ourselves? You know, in the LGB LGBTQ conversation, um, many people identify themselves by their sexual orientation or by their by their gender identity. You know, to be gay or lesbian or trans becomes who they are as a person rather than being an attraction or an experience or a struggle or a choice. We even see that with people who are Christians who are trying to, are striving to live out their sexuality in a way that honors God. Um, for people who aren't choosing to have sex outside of marriage, they're seen as uh, prudish and backward and they're made fun of. Uh, for people who are same-sex attracted, who choose to live a celibate life and honor God with their sexuality, are seen by the world as repressed and dysfunctional, and worse, are seen by some people in the church as sexual sinners just because of their attraction, which, by the way, is not a sin. Now, we also can take on false identities whenever we believe the enemy's lies and define ourselves by our sexual sin, by our shame, and by our trauma, rather than identifying as washed and sanctified and justified followers of Jesus, as it says in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. So how do you identify yourself? Do you buy into the enemy's identity for you or the world's identity for you? Or do you trust God when he says that you are his precious, beloved child? Getting comfortable with the world's messages about sexuality and ignoring the reality of our enemy lead us into a comfortable captivity. So let's learn from Daniel's example. He respected and was respectful of his new culture, but he was unwavering in his resistance to the enemy's influence over him. He knew how to live in the world, but not be of it. So let's fight these spiritual battles and the power of the Holy Spirit growing in our biblical view of sexuality, submitting our appetites to the Lord, and choosing to build our identity on the Lord Jesus Christ. Because God is for us. So let's think and live and love in the power of that truth. <music>